Good morning once again, or afternoon. I will never get that right. I just won't. Um, We are taking a turn this week in our study. Uh, We've been going through the Gospel of Mark for some time now, and we're going to take a little hiatus for Advent. And we're going to be looking instead at the topic or the theme of shepherd. Um, We're going to look at it from both the Old Testament, and then we'll go and and hone in on the, the, the angelic host meeting uh, the shepherds uh, in that in that night that the Lord was born, and also we'll go and look at the good shepherd who was born on that uh, day when God came to earth. Um, so with that, we're going to look at Ezekiel 34, this prophetic uh, text here uh, first this week, and then next week we'll look at another prophetic text, and then we'll move into the gospel accounts. Uh, but with that, we're going to look at the whole of Ezekiel chapter uh, 34, which is a bit long, so I, I just uh, uh, thank you for bearing with, with us as we read uh, this text together. But uh, let's turn to, it says Exodus 34 in your, your bulletins. It's Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 34. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, uh, or you can follow along in your bulletins. Ezekiel 34. Hear God's word. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds had not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds had fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered So will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. 
I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong will, I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, that thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will make them, I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who have enslaved them. They shall no, no more be prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them. And they, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God, declares the Lord God. Amen. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good shepherd. We thank you that you are the shepherd of your sheep and that you have sent to us the good shepherd, your only begotten son, and that you lead us by green pastures and still waters and you restore our souls. Help us to see that in the text this morning, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for enduring the long reading, but uh, you see it all kind of holds together, and I want us to kind of pick apart this text. Uh, Christmas time is always full of longing and anticipation. In my household, my family broke a cardinal rule. They know what it is. They decided that they were going to listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. And that was much to my chagrin. And they argued their reasoning behind it was of COVID. It's COVID year. We get to do these things. And I didn't quite understand the logic, right? Like, how does COVID 
relate to getting to break this cardinal rule, um, as determined by me, of course. But I, then I realized something. I realized that it had to do with this longing and anticipation that we all have for things to get better, right? All of us here today long for things to get better. And Christmas music, of course, is a bit like comfort food. It is a familiar thing amidst the uncertainty and chaos around us. It's something that we go to that gives us comfort, a familiarity, if you will. But I think that there's a second thing embedded in our Christmas rituals, embedded in our Christmas carols and in our singing, is a longing and anticipation for all things to be made right. That, that's the longing, that's the desire for Christ, the Messiah, to come. COVID highlights and heightens our longing because it reminds us that the world is not right. It's not as it should be. So we listened to our Christmas music before the time was right in our house because we wanted to consider the hope of Christ for a broken world. This morning, we're going to be looking at a text that highlights that longing and hope for the Messiah, particularly the promise of the Messiah as the shepherd of his sheep, the David who comes. That's what we're going to be looking at. The Israelites at the time of the prophet Ezekiel uh, were in a much more challenging situation than we are today under all the things that are going on in our world. They had been displaced. The, the, the nation, the, the kingdom of Babylon had come, Nebuchadnezzar had come and had taken God's people away. He had destroyed the city of Jerusalem and he had taken uh, away God's people off to Babylon. And so Ezekiel is prophesying to the people He's taught, prophesying here about the coming shepherd who would rescue them, who would feed them, who would protect them, who would give them ultimate security and peace, and who would bring them home, who would bring them back to that promised land. And this same shepherd promised by the prophet Ezekiel came. The Lord Jesus came. And it gives to us that same care, he, that shepherding care that only the good shepherd can bring. He gives us, he rescues us, he feeds us, he protects us, he gives us security and peace, and he brings us home. He's bringing us home. So that's what I want to look at. I want us to see this shepherd who's come to rescue us, who's come to feed us, to protect us, to care for us, to bind our wounds, to give us security and peace in the land, and ultimately to bring us home to himself. And we're going to look at it in three parts. First, we are lost, lost sheep. That's the first thing that we have to see, that we are lost sheep without a shepherd. Apart from God's grace, apart from the Lord Jesus, we are lost sheep. Second, there is only one good shepherd. That's it, just one. And then thirdly, the shepherd comes to bring us home, to give us that eternal security. So, first, we are lost sheep without a shepherd. Now, let's get our bearings. I gave us a little bit of those bearings a second ago when I described Ezekiel, but I want us to give us a little bit more background. The prophet Ezekiel, he was also a priest. 
prophesied uh, at the very end of the period of the kings, right? So Ezekiel was actually taken away with other prominent people out of Jerusalem and brought into Babylon. He was one of the first to be exiled, if you will, along with the current king, uh, Jehoiakim. He was also taken away with Ezekiel. This is the la- one of the last kings. But then Babylon thought, okay, but we'll put a puppet king, somebody, an Israelite, a Jew, who we can control and manipulate. And they did that. They put in a puppet king, Zedekiah, uh, and they put him up and they said, you know, you're our man in, in, in Jerusalem. Right? You do our bidding, we'll let you kind of be in your place. Well, guess what? Zedekiah didn't do their bidding. He revolted against Babylon. In fact, he went and sided with the Egyptians. And eventually, Babylon catches word of this, and Nebuchadnezzar says, that's it. You're done. And he comes and he wipes out the city of Jerusalem and takes the rest of the people away. And he destroys the temple, brings the people into captivity. Ezekiel's prophesying from Babylon during this time period. Things are really, really, really bad. They're the, the, the Judeans, the, the, the Jews are experiencing the loss of everything they knew. They were being taken from their home. Their home was being laid waste. And you can imagine that they were reeling from it all and they were trying to comprehend what in the world is God doing? What's going on? This, this is everything to us. It's kind of like what we were looking at in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus said in AD 70, you know, this temple's going to be destroyed. Don't, don't be alarmed. This is in God's plan. Here it is in the Old Testament way. God is coming to them through the prophet Ezekiel and saying, don't be alarmed. I am still your God. I am still with you. And so the prophet Ezekiel prophesied to them. Few things. He prophesied to them concerning the holiness of God. That was part of the problem, that, that they were not recognizing God's holiness and were living and acting in ways that brought shame to the name of their God. And so they were judged by God. This is a lot of judgment in the book of Ezekiel because of their sin and defilement. But he not only did that, he also prophesied against the nations, right? So he's saying, okay, yes, you're being taken away by Babylon, but just be aware, they too will be judged by God. Not only did he prophesy against the nations, but the prophet Ezekiel told them of this grand vision of the restoration of God's people. He talks about this amazing new temple that would be built, and there's this spectacular vision of a temple that defies our comprehension. He cast a vision that they could look forward to. But here in chapter 34, we get a piece of that vision. We get a taste of all these things, God's holiness and judgment against sin, the promised deliverance of God's people, and their restoration and establishment. That's what chapter 34 is. So, all right, I've given you all the background. Let's move towards the text. What does this text say to us? Well, I want us to consider what it means to be the lost sheep Of Israel without a shepherd. That was the state of the people of God in Babylon, and now it's the state, I think, of all God's people apart from God's grace, that that there's a sense in which all of us, uh, and we'll look at this in a little bit, Isaiah says it this way, you know, we all like sheep have gone astray each in our own way. We're all, in a sense, like lost 
sheep without a shepherd apart from the Lord Jesus. The Lord, through the prophet Ezekiel, begins by prophesying against the shepherds of Israel. Now, who were the shepherds of Israel? Well, they were the kings of Israel. They were the ones who were to care for the Israelites. And instead, the text says they didn't do that. And in fact, they sort of took from the people for themselves. They didn't care for God's people, with very few exceptions. There was, of course, one king in that exception, right? King David. King David was considered the model shepherd, the model king. And it's no coincidence that he was taken from shepherding his father's flock, right? You remember that story, how they bring him into his father's home and anoint him to be the king. They take him from shepherding his father's sheep. He knew a little bit about shepherding. But I think this has a question for us then. What does it mean? Okay, I keep talking about the shepherds are the kings, that we're God's sheep. This is imagery that's used throughout Scripture, and I'm, and I'm curious, what does it mean that God is a shepherd, that David was a shepherd, that we're sheep? What, what is all this language in the Old Testament as well as the New about this being a shepherd? Well, that shepherd king David wrote a psalm that I find very instructive on this point, Psalm 23. Many of us can quote it, can recite it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. In Psalm 23, the psalmist David helps us to understand what it means to be a shepherd. To be a shepherd, you need to lead and you need to guide. To be a shepherd, you need to provide for and care for the sheep. To be a shepherd, you need to protect and defend the sheep To be a shepherd, you need to discipline and rescue the sheep. To be a shepherd, you need to bring comfort and healing to the sheep. The kings of Israel were called to do these things, but instead, Ezekiel tells us that they did the opposite. They fed themselves. The text even says that they fed on the sheep. Look here in verse, uh, verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep, which they weren't doing. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. The picture is this. The the ones who are to care for the people of God, to lead them in green pastures, to take care of their needs, were taking from them taking their very life from them. It's the picture that we have here of these shepherds. Instead of protecting and defending and healing the sheep, the prophet says, the weak they have not strengthened, the sick that you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Because of the failure of the shepherd kings, the sheep not only were not rescued, but the text says that they were scattered. They were scattered far and wide into the nations over the face of the earth with no one searching for them. All right, so there's the picture that we have there of this 
this, these sheep without a shepherd and these false shepherds. But how do we fit into this picture? Like, what, what, what part of the story is for us? I mean, after all, this is a very specific story about how the kings failed in their duties to care for the, the people under them. What is it that, that we should take away from this? I want to suggest to you that the failure of the shepherds does not only apply to the kings of Israel. What do I mean by that? Well, I, I think that there, the problem is that we put our hope in kings that can't provide all the things that we need. Let me explain. Uh, I think it applies to all persons and things to which we look for life. What do, I, what, what do I mean? All those things in our life that we say, this thing will give me life, this thing will provide for me, or this person, if, if I'm close to them, they'll give me life. So it becomes a shepherd in our life, right? Something that rules over us, something that watches over us, some, someone or something that we put ourselves under to care for us, right? It's the nature of a shepherd. I think it's our very nature to desire the things a shepherd provides, guidance, provision, protection, discipline, comfort, healing, etc. And the reason we desire those things is because we are, in fact, like sheep. We're sheep. We're dependent, needy creatures, right? We aren't self-sufficient. From the time we're born, we're cared for. And as we go to our grave, we're being cared for. There's a sense in which we are always sheep. We need care. The problem is we go and we look for shepherds who seem to promise us the care that we're looking for, right? We look for guidance, we look for provision, protection, discipline, comfort, healing, a sense of worth, and all the like. I'm not necessarily talking specifically of persons, Maybe it is persons. Our parents, they're kind of shepherds of us when we're young, right? We can, we can find ourselves in a right way under the care of our parents, but they're not our ultimate care, right? They, they can't ultimately provide for our life. They can care for our needs when we're young and they get care for us as we get older, but at a certain point, ultimately, they can't care for our ultimate need our ultimate concerns and we can put a lot of weight on our parents or maybe our spouses right we can find our hope in our spouse if i just marry the right person the right woman the right man if i just marry them they can take care of all my needs and i will be satisfied and i will be fed and i will always be happy and joyful we put this huge burden onto our spouse that they're going to fulfill us does that work They certainly care for us in ways. Sometimes we even put the weight on our children. We find our hope in our children that, that, that in their successes and as they, we care for them and they grow old, that we will live our lives through them and they will give us the joy that we're looking for, the ultimate satisfaction in life through our children. It's not just people. Things can do this too, right? Think about the way we, we 
look to things in this life to give us comfort. Things that promise us all sorts of good. Well, if I get the right job or the advanced degree or a nice home or a family or money or prestige or reputation. Or we even look to destructive things. Things that that are like crutches that if we can just get a little fix every now and again, I'll be okay. They don't give us life. The problem is that none of these things, good or ill, can give us what only the good shepherd can give us. They give us temporary illusions that we are cared for, but in the end, they are like these bad shepherds. They devour us, and they demand us for themselves. We see this in extremes. I've already described it a little bit, but the workaholic who can't stop working. The parent whose entire life depends on the success or failure of their child. The academic whose desires for degrees and titles puffs them up and at the same time leaves them insecure and always trying to prove themselves. The homeowner who fights always to keep up with the Joneses. The child who is always trying to please their parents but never measures up. The pastor who is so afraid of speaking the truth because he's afraid he might push somebody away. You can fill in the rest for yourself. Shepherds, rulers who demand your life but give you no life in return. Sometimes we even delude ourselves into thinking that we are not sheep at all, right? We don't need a shepherd because we can shepherd ourselves. One of my son's favorite books is about a dog. The title of the book is A Dog Who Wouldn't Be by Farley Moet. The dog did not grasp that he was only a dog. He was always trying to act more like a human. And of course, it creates for a silly story. The dog is trying hard to be more than a dog. We can be like that. We can think, well, I can shepherd myself. It's interesting here in the text that there is a prophecy against some of the sheep. Did you notice that? There was this portion of the, of the text that says, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. There seems to be two groups of sheep. Those who are the sheep and those who are the goats are the ones who are taking away from God's sheep. These not God's sheep or these goats push and prod the sheep around them until they get the good food. Meanwhile, trampling the food beneath them. They act just like the bad shepherds, scattering the sheep abroad and taking the provisions for themselves. This self-shepherding is the pride of man which seeks autonomy from God and in no uncertain terms, the text says, that such sheep will be judged just like the false shepherds. The truth is, as sheep, we all get scattered. We all take matters into our own hands. We all fall into dishes. We all become hungry, putting our hope in shepherds that can't shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Friends, if nothing else, 2020 has reminded us how desperate we are as sheep and that we need a shepherd 
without which we are lost and hungry and hurting and scared. But this leads us to the hope of the text. My second idea here, there is only one good shepherd. It's interesting that our text starts out with judgment against the shepherds, and usually this type of judgment is followed up with that type of judgment. Uh, I'm sorry. Usually it's, you know, you have the judgment phrase of the prophet, you know, this is the bad thing that these people have done, the, good, the shepherds in this case. And then he'll go on, usually the Lord will say, and this is the judgment that they deserve. This is what's going to happen to the shepherds. But you'll notice in our text, it doesn't do that. When it comes to the end of the judgment of the shepherds, there is a promise, not of, I mean, he will deal with those shepherds, but it's a turn saying, because of the things that you've done, shepherds, not doing your duty, I'm going to come. I'm going to take over. I'm going to shepherd the flock. This is maybe the greatest news in this text, that that God will come and he will shepherd his flock. And it's an amazing thing. In God's judgment, he brings salvation. And what does it look like? What does it look like, this God shepherd who comes? The text says, first, that he rescues the sheep. That's the first thing that we see. He rescues the sheep. We have uh, uh, have all gone our own way. We have, not only because we have bad shepherds, but because we have wandered off on our own. We have each tried to be our own shepherd at times. We We are scattered across the earth, and the text says, that the Lord comes to rescue. We're in desperate straits, abused and beat up by sin, the flesh, and the devil, but God comes and he rescues us. He says in verse 10, I will rescue my sheep from their mouth that they may not be food for them. God comes and he searches his sheep just as a shepherd shepherd ought to. Hear these words in verse 12. Verse 12 says, As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. What does that mean? The day of clouds and thick darkness? I think it simply means when all seems lost. When we are at our wit's end, when we are hungry and hurting and wounded, the Lord comes and he rescues us. He saves us. And he brings us home. The hearers of this word were being marched off to Babylon. And they might have wondered, how is it, Lord, that you're going to rescue us? This is a day of great clouds and this is a day of thick darkness. How are you going to rescue us? And here in our text, God promises to send his servant David. Look here in verse 23, it says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. 
But here's the confusing thing. He had just said in verse 15 that he was going to be their shepherd. I myself will be their shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. So which is it? Is God going to come and be the shepherd, or is it this servant David? Yes. Yes. Both. This is the prophetic word given of the promised Messiah to come. The Israelites of old, scattered and lost, were given a hope of a shepherd like David, but greater than David, who himself would be God incarnate. He would come and he would rescue his sheep. And he would do it himself. And he would take the judgment that, that those sheep deserve for their rebellion. So Jesus will say of himself in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. The good shepherd rescues the sheep. Friends, there is no greater news in all the world. And at this time of year, we are anticipating his coming, his advent, reminding ourselves that we are sheep, that we are sheep who've gone astray, each to our own way, but that the good shepherd comes. And he rescues us. He not only rescues us, but he feeds us. He feeds his sheep. It's all throughout the text. You can't escape it. Pretty much every line has something about food. Whether the food is being taken away by the shepherds, whether the food is being taken away by those goat sheep, or whether it is the provision given by the good shepherd, by God himself. Throughout Scripture, there's a close connection between food and God's word. In fact, Christ himself will quote from Deuteronomy, right? He'll say, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And what amazing provision this is, that the Lord provides spiritual nourishment by giving us his word. By this word, the shepherd leads us, and he guides us, and he protects us, and he heals us, and he nourishes us, and he strengthens us, and he saves us. This is the food that the Lord provides as the good shepherd. He leads us to streams of living water and green pastures for our soul. He gives us the meat of heaven. He provides for us sustenance and life. Friends, there's no self-help book, no wise guru, no other religious text that offers you food. It offers you fool's gold. But in the provision of God and his word, there is life. Not only that, does he provide for us his word, but he provides for us the living word. Pictured in the gospel of John, the word made flesh, who dwells among us. He offers himself, as we'll eat in just a minute, we'll taste and we'll see the goodness of God in his provision as our shepherd. He feeds us, and he leads us. 
And he also protects his sheep. Notice how he makes us to lie down in verse 14. He draws that psalm language, right? He makes us lie down in green pastures. The sheep lies down when it's safe, when it's protected, when it's got no worries or fears. It lies down in that green pasture. It's a sign of security. He seeks the lost. He destroys the strong and those who would threaten him, those who would steal and take from his sheep. He brings justice for the sheep. What comfort it is to know that our good shepherd keeps us secure and defends us, that we are not left to the wolves. But we have a just defender who is the champion of the weak and the vulnerable, the downtrodden and the brokenhearted. And so we can bring our causes and concerns to him, and he hears us, and he protects us, and he delivers us, and he binds our wounds. This is what the good shepherd does. Well, finally, and in conclusion, as we consider the fact that as lost sheep, we have a shepherd who comes and rescues us and provides us and provides for us and protects us, I want us to consider the fact that this same shepherd comes and is coming again to lead us home. This last section, this covenant language here, it says, I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their seasons and they shall be showers of blessing and the trees of the Fields shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who have enslaved them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, and with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God, the sheep of his pasture. This is a picture when all the waiting and anticipation will be gone. One of the things that we do at Christmas time is we wait in anticipation for something that's already happened in the past. Right? We celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Advent, his first coming. And we celebrate that moment, which I think is right and good. But there is something else we're doing in that anticipation. It is a picture of the anticipation that we have that Jesus, our good shepherd, is coming again to bring us home. Where the, he will banish the beasts from the land. Sin, flesh, the devil, all the things that corrupt will be gone. We will dwell securely. Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing does now. And then we will dwell with him securely in an abundant land. Sin will no longer have control over us. There'll be no more hunger, no more longing, no more reproach from the world as they look and they say, you know, in the Old Testament, they used to say, where is your God, right? Whenever the Lord's heavy hand of discipline was on the people. No more of that. We will dwell with God. He will be ours. He is ours now. 
but we'll see him face to face. All based in this covenant, this promise that says, I will be your God and you will be my people. As we look forward with anticipation to the coming shepherd, the first advent, remember we're rehearsing that anticipation as we look forward to that day when the shepherd will bring us home. This is good news because we have a good shepherd who rescues us, who provides for us, who protects and cares for us, who dwells with us, and who brings us home. Let's pray.